Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, I've got an email from Amazon saying someone signed into your account. Yes. Oh, that's bad. Should probably do Does it go on to say it's your husband <laughs> trying to get cheap laughs? For a podcast. Oh, when I need a laugh, there's a help in people. But Tom Boss talking to these funny people. He's asking what they find in the town of the stories. Can somebody yell out the name of the show, please? It's my mate, Water Toaster. Oh, it's my mate, Water Toaster. Yeah, yeah, it's my mate, Water Toaster. Oh, oh, Toaster for my love. Hello, welcome back to another episode of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Now, this uh, format is a very versatile one. It's a very flexible one. And I've wanted for a while to get a couple onto the podcast. There's loads of people um, who've nearly come on the show uh, who haven't because they share their Amazon accounts with their other halves and they don't want to get their other halves in hot water and blah, blah, blah. Rob Beckett, specifically, I'm looking at you. Anyway, I mentioned to my wife the other day that um, I wanted to get a couple on the show because it would work well. So she then suggested that she comes on the show, please welcome, this is so weird, this week's guest on My May Bought a Toaster, the Sunday Times best-selling author and mother of my children and co-mortgagee of my house, my wife, Beth Murray. Also, I helped you design the format as well. I mean, you came up with the format. It's payback time. Yeah, it is really. Um, so it's no coincidence that you came up with this idea when you were looking to promote your new book. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations on that. Really, really happy that you love the podcast so much that it's only when you've got a book out that you want to come on it. Um, so, Shouldn't you ask me about myself or something? No, no. We'll get on to that. All That's right. the, whole, the whole point of the format that you co-designed is that we find out about you while we go through your Amazon purchase history. Surely you knew that. I thought your introductory spiel was a little bit terse. What do you mean? You just said best-selling author. <laughs> what? Another of what? my children. What the fuck else do you want? I don't know. What, what else is there? For, I hope for more. A well, eulogy. You, you need to do more in your life. Well, you need to be dead for a eulogy. Um, so uh, what I've done is I've logged into your account. Now, just to explain how we've set this up, uh, we're in my tiny little study at the top of the house. No, 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 turn away. Stop looking at it. Stop looking at it. And Beth has signed in, uh, and I'm looking at the screen over your shoulder, so you can't see what I'm looking at. Um, which... I don't want to see it. And what's? do you know what's already I find very weird? Everything. Is, is that we're back in 2001. So straight away... We've gone to a time before we were together, Beth. Oh, before we'd met. Yeah. Yeah, d yeah December 2001 was before we met. So that's there's still um, like a year and a half before you stole my 20s from me. Wow. Yeah. That was when I was having all sorts of fun. All right, all right, all right. Uh, so we'll get on to that. Um, uh, look, the, the very first item, can you remember off the top of your head the very first item you bought on Amazon? I just imagine it was a book because that's what you bought on Amazon in the no, beginning. No, You bought, oh my God, and there was a clue in your destiny because it's written by, don't look! I can't, I want to see the picture. It's written by someone called Dennis Price, or at least it's, it features someone called Dennis Price. It no, was a sign. No relation, but it was a sign. Uh, it's a VHS. It's a VHS. <laughs> that just shows how old I am. From 1949, so that's a couple of years before you were born, two years before you were born, um, called Kind Hearts and Coronets. Oh, yes. There you are. Um, why did I buy that? I think I bought it for my dad because he said he'd watched it on telly and he really enjoyed it and I might have bought it as a present so he could watch it again. Watch it again and again. I mean, that is the joy of VHSs. Yeah, I think that DVDs. might be why I bought it. It's a really clever, it's a clever conceit. Right. What, I think I, yeah, VHSs are it, no longer here with us, but Kind Hearts and Coronets, I think, is a really clever conceit, and I can't remember it, even though I've actually watched it myself. Mm. And Louis Mazzini, Dennis Price, holds no love for the aristocratic family he counts as relations. 
the Duscoins. The family cast his mother out when she decided to marry a commoner, Louis's father, and on her death refused to allow her to be buried in the family vault. An outraged Louis vows revenge and begins working his way into the trust of the family to provide him with the opportunity to bump off the male heirs. All the male heirs, played by Alec Guinness. Greedy Alec Guinness, as if you haven't already got enough parts. One by one, complications arise when he becomes romantically entangled with one of the widows of his victims, Edith Das. Dascoin. Dascoin. It's a classic healing comedy, Beth. Good reviews. Look at that. All those five-star reviews right there. I don't remember it at all. So well, that's nice. So you bought your dad uh, a VHS for him to watch, something nice for him to do. Yes. Right, OK. Um, we should say at this point, so this is in 2001, and this is how long after you have left home? Quite a while, isn't it, because no, you're so no, old? No, no, uh, <laughs> I left home, well, I mean, I left home in 1996, so, and this is 2001, so... Mm. Although it's fair it to say nice you've never gesture. it's fair to say you've never really left home because you're on the phone to your parents <laughs> twice a day, aren't you? I'd happily move back in with them if I could. You pretty much do. You pretty much live with them remotely. <laughs> you're on the phone to them twice a day. They come down and look after our children, for which we're very grateful, <laughs> at least once a week. It was all thanks to that DVD that I bought my dad. VHS. Oh yeah, VHS. Not God, DVD. I'm so old. VHS. So the, video, the first thing you ever bought on Amazon uh, was a VHS on the 29th of June, 2001. Kind hearts and coronets. That's really nice. Um, okay, good. All right, so that's uh, number one. And then on uh, the 8th of November, 2001, uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, six, oh, again, well, there's a definite analogue vibe here, six audio cassette sets, the, the uh, audio book of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So Right, I just don't understand why I would have bought that because I read them all. Why did, Why would I bring them? That wasn't a present. I don't remember buying it a present for someone. No. Why did I buy that? I don't know. But also, really, let's just really dwell, hit hard the, the fact that you're buying that on tape for someone. Why? Someone is going to have tapes. And presumably read by Stephen Fry, right? This yeah, is I Stephen see. Fry went, oh, so good. So good. But why would I buy that? I don't know. I have no idea at all. To help with your sleep, maybe? In fact, a lot of people find them very soothing. No. To buy for your mum? No. Who's going to win, do you think, in the present off that we're about to have? If we eliminate our children from the inquiries initially, because there's 20 years of Amazon purchase history here, who's going to get the most presents? Me, your mum or your dad? The Possibly f- my dad. Your dad, yeah. Because I bought him a lot of albums, I think. Mm. And I've known him longer than you. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you've known him longer than your mum, which would be odd. <laughs> no, but I, I reckon my dad will win. Mm. But the bigger mystery is I bought my first purchase in June and then the second purchase in what, November? In November, yeah. I don't understand how I managed without Amazon for those months. Where did I buy my stuff? Well, there used to be shops. So no, you probably went to the shop, like Woolworths. No, don't understand what like I would have done. Um, so at 2001, you were, you'd left uni by this point. You were living in London. And uh, you were, well, you were just gearing up for me to come into your life, basically, weren't you? Yeah, just waiting. Basically, like, you know, Snow White in the glass casket, just waiting for someone to yeah. jolt it well, and specifically let me. her escape. You, you, yes. But yeah, you knew there was a, a, a Prince Charming, a Prize Charming on the way. <laughs> Not that I want to make this all about me. Uh, right, then, and then, 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 then. So then we hit December and... Um, you know, everyone's favourite uh, Christmas musical tropes. Peggy Lee Christmas album, Vince Guaraldi trio, music of which I use on my magic show. What, Vince Guaraldi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, Vince Guaraldi was involved in the Peanuts film. Chris- oh, yeah. And there's a piano bit of music, which is a Christmas music, and I play it every Saturday on the radio, and nobody notices that it's Christmas. Um, and also, in December 2001, you bought The Greatest Hits of Madonna, Volume 2. A weird Christmas triumvirate there. Yeah, Peggy Lee, Vince Guaraldi and Madonna. I just think that shows really interesting, eclectic taste in music. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, it's worth it's worth letting uh, these people know your obsession with Christmas. Should we get that underway? Because that, for me, when I first met you, this dogs, we'll get onto that, but Christmas was a very defining part of it. Well, actually, also potty mouth. Harsh. But also big swearer. But also... Um, Christmas. Tell us about your Christmas obsession. Well, if I could, I think I wouldn't listen to anything but Christmas music all year round. Wow. But kind of light festive jazz yeah. and choral music. 
Yeah. If I was allowed to. Mm. And as it is, I limit it to two months a year, November and December, which I think is very restrained of me. Well, it used to be I didn't let you uh, start until mm. December, but you've you've pushed back. I've pushed. It's a creep. Covid creep. Christmas creep. I think the Covid Christmas creep has been a thing. I think loads of people now, well... Like, we used to go Christmas tree spotting in the windows. And if you got one in November, that was impressive. And now, I think last year we saw one in October, didn't we? Well, they, they're they earlier and earlier, but the new thing is to leave them up after Christmas. So we've got friends who mm. are just leaving their tree up forever, which I really applaud. Mm. I couldn't do it myself, but I approve of it. When, when Beth says, I really app- applaud... We went for dinner at, at Joel Morris and uh, Julia Raisa's house. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and they still had a Christmas tree up mid-January and Beth literally applauded. Yeah, I was really impressed. <laughs> you clapped a Christmas tree. I like the brass-necked nature of it. He's mm. completely unapologetic. I think he said something like the English Heritage emailed him to tell him not to take <laughs> the Christmas tree Listen down. Yeah, you know Steve at the uh, English Heritage? Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. told me. Um, but it's, uh, Christmas is a big thing for you. And maybe that's what, you know, I, I enjoyed tremendously how obsessed you were with Christmas very early on because I love massively love Christmas something we had in common uh, and I thought I was obsessed with Christmas and then I saw you on Christmas Day and I, I, I'll be honest I liked you a bit less <laughs> I'm an only child yeah that's all I can say really so, so tell us what happens on Christmas morning oh it's so embarrassing because it never felt like it was a, a, a weird thing it just felt like normal to me but um so firstly, I have to come down the stairs to a particular piece of music, which is the Christmas song. And the Christmas song was written by Mel Torme, who's a fine vocalist, but I prefer Nat King Cole's version, so we have to play that. Has to be played. Has to be played. And also it has to be a particular bar that I open the door so that I can see the presents, which even now are put out on Christmas Eve by Father Christmas, um, rather than beforehand, to maintain the illusion of surprise. Yeah. And then uh, my mum dresses up in what retrospectively might be seen to be an unusual outfit. Can I interrupt here? Do you mind? Mm. It's fair to say that the first day I spent with uh, Beth on Christmas Day, when we'd been going out a couple of years, maybe a year, I saw what your mum was wearing and I sauntered over to Beth and said, why is your mum dressed like a Victorian ghost? Because she has this big... Quite voluminous. Voluminous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs a train behind it. There's just this big dress and she sort of wafts around in it. And you, I swear to God, you went, what do you mean? Yeah. It didn't seem weird. It seemed normal because that's what she always wore. Your mum looks like Queen fucking Victoria. What's going on? Yeah. It's great to have Christmas traditions. So that still happens, doesn't it? And uh, every Christmas morning, uh, Beth has to go downstairs. uh, Your mother is dressed up. Now, there is a point to this story, which is you told... David Mitchell about this, didn't you? Once in the pub. Um, yeah, because David Mitchell also really likes Christmas. I just, I like Christmases and sandwiches. He really likes Christmas and we had a chat about it. But then I think my enthusiasm made him realise that perhaps he didn't like Christmas as much as he thought he did. Yes. So he kind of came away, I think, thinking I was a bit of a weirdo. And then what did he do? Well, I, I mean, I don't know that it's definitely oh, it's, it's inspired by it. It's pretty uncanny. It's pretty uncanny. There's an episode of Peep Show <laughs> where Sophie, it's her birthday rather than Christmas, but yes. there's some funny outfits. And has, to, has to wear her birthday dress, doesn't she? Yes. And? And also they have to sing a song. <laughs> she has to walk in specifically to a specific song. Yeah. Bearing in mind the timeline of this, Beth, the chronology of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Turning up on Peep Show. I know David didn't write Peep Show, but... He never told me that that was true, so, you know. All right, okay, good caveat. It's just an urban myth. It's it's an urban myth in this household. It's a a very, 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 very niche myth. But it's uncanny. Anyway, so Beth's obsessed with Christmas um, and dogs and Madonna as well. Now, and then, uh, 13th of December 2001, you bought pocket monologues for women. What's going on here, please? I can only think that I must have decided to audition for drama school because why else would you buy that? What the fuck? Like, why would you buy that? What do and you mean? I, and, like, it kind of sparks a memory of thinking that I might audition for drama school. No, you didn't. Well, no, I mean, I didn't, obviously. Well, then... But why would I buy... I've got a feeling, like, when I look at that, I think audition. I feel like I was preparing for an audition. But at this point, you were, you were like, writing sketch comedy, which is when we met, of course, because you were doing your double act. Yes, but that was just a hobby. It wasn't a, a career. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to, it to have been... You know, is it possible that I 
actually had a plan to go to RADA or something. But you were so into having a job and a salary and not being an insecure, crazed actor rampaging around the place trying to get work. That isn't what you wanted to do. You wanted to have a nice, cosy, normal, settled, jobby life. Yes, you? I was not willing to starve in a garret. And I wasn't didn't come from a rich enough family for that to be a possibility to just, you know, swan around being an actor and not having to earn money. Are you suggesting that I... Why are you looking at me like that? How, how very dare you? Um, but I'm just baffled by that purchase and the only thing that I can think of was that I was preparing for something. Yeah. I, I can't imagine why I'd buy it otherwise. I like the fact there's something you do. You have literally no memory of buying it. No. Stop looking at the screen. Sorry. I've skipped on ahead now. Um... Right, okay, so so maybe you didn't buy it for Lydia or something because she was in drama school, wasn't she? Oh, maybe I did. Maybe it was a present. Because mm. So you've been always surrounded by actors because you were friends with actors at university. Yep. They all then went and kept and lived the dream and they're all now sadly destitute. But you're now... I'm going to say they're all sadly dead. They're all sadly... Right? They've, they've all they starved in they? the garret. <laughs> they all died in the mid-noughties, all your actor friends. Um, but what's interesting, going full circle, and we'll get back to this, is that you ended up then leaving behind secure, safe, cosy TV world, didn't you? And now you are now you are on the edge as a writer. You know, if you, like an actor, have a shit couple of, uh, <laughs> couple of days at work, that's it, it's all over. I know, it's very precarious. But, yeah. I mean, you are jumping ahead 20 years. I'm I did... trying to make it rounded. I'm, I'm just seeding where we'll get okay, to. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that... Um... Seeding. Uh, yes, that's true. I have given it all up, given up financial security yes. for the precarious life of a writer. Now we've got Jeopardy as well, you yeah, see, yeah, yeah. sewing in the plots. And now we've got um, a, a perennial favourite on this show, Izzy Sooty, uh, a huge fan of her, and a couple of other people as well. And I know you're a massive fan, so come on. G- give me with both barrels your Jilly Cooper rant, please. Oh, there we go. I'm just going to sit back. I need nobody- a wee, actually. Can I snip off for a wee while you... Um- <laughs> Nobody can wax lyrical about Diddy Cooper like I can. So this is Pandora that I bought in 2002. So now I assume I would have bought it the instant that it came out because Mm -hmm. that is what I do with Jilly. Um, And it was a good one. It's uh, about art Mm -hmm. um, and Raphael and looted art and, oh, it's, it's fantastic and there's shagging and, you know, it's a classic Jilly. At her peak... Yes. Nobody could better her. And she is one of the few authors, basically two authors, Jilly Cooper and CJ Sansom, that I will buy in hardback on the day of publication. Whoa, that's big. Yes. Wow. So I like su- Tudor and- bureaucracy yeah, yeah, yeah. and shagging. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good to know. I wish you said that on the first date. Bloody hell, I'd have worn the costume. I'd have, Cosplay. I'd have, I'd have dressed as a 17th century lawyer. It would have been great. <laughs> Um, yeah, lo- I mean, the reviews of this are incredible. Fantastic. Jilly Cooper back to her best. Suspend disbelief. Great fun. Um, but this is this this points to um, something which, you know, I hesitate to say influenced you because that's a bit pompous. But um, she has fun with her plot lines and people underestimate her and think it's all a bit disposable and it's all a bit easy. And something which you always rant about is that actually writing books that are, that people say, oh, that's a nice read. It's just a bit of fun is really fucking hard. Yes. And she does it brilliantly. It it reads effortlessly. And I learned so much from her. Her dialogue is always absolutely pin sharp in that she gets the speech patterns of all her characters completely right. And that helps you quickly understand who they are and fixes them in your mind. And I think that is just a skill that is mind-boggling. But, yeah, I think people do dismiss her. Oh, it's just a bonkbuster or whatever. No, it isn't. There's all sorts of complexity to her work, which... I really, really admire. So when I say I love Jilly Cooper, I'm not in kind of like, oh, a guilty pleasure way, because I I think guilty pleasure is the most disgusting term. Yes. I just love her yes. unequivocally. Um, all right, okay, uh, a lot of love for Jilly Cooper. That's fine. I mean, also, she has got, it's got to be said, in terms of looking at an author simply by the titles of their books, do you know what I mean? It's fantastic titles. Mount! <laughs> I love that! Uh, what else is there? Um, she's got Rivals, Polo, The Man Who Made Husbands Jealous. Score! Score! Oh, look, Judy Cooper, How to Survive Christmas. Oh, you know what? I haven't read that. There you go. Also, it's, that... got not, it's not got great reviews, but I'll, I'll, I'll snap that up. Yeah, 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 that's good. Although, to be honest, with your Christmas demands, I should be reading that, really. Um... Catherine de Medici, you love a bit of Catherine de Medici, don't you? Yeah, so there's we're we're seeing my Tudor bureaucracy type stuff yeah. alongside the Dilly Cooper shagging. Have you thought about doing historical fiction or are you are you would you ever do that? 
I am quite tempted by the idea, but, I mean, it's an awful lot of work, isn't it? Yes. You know, the research. And then I kind of worry that I'd do all that research and then some pedant would point out that I'd got the wrong kind of smock on someone. Mm. And I just can't be arsed. There's a team of pedants who go and read historical fiction and say, oh, if it wasn't like that... Well, I sometimes do it myself. Oh, it's pathetic. It's um, a book, for God's sake. So I'm not, just not willing book. to dive into that. So you can't be asked. That's your basic response well, to that. Well, what I secretly think is that, you know, like, I'll build my reputation until I'm, like, one of those heavyweights, okay. and then I'll do, like, a really big historical tome. But oh. I also imagine by that point I'll sort of be more thorough and scrupulous and hardworking than I am now. It's the O'Farrell Hamnet. That's what you're talking about there, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's what I'm jealous of. O'Farrelling. Yeah. That's what it's called, to, to verbalise it. And there's someone else, again, who I know you adore and is is a genius. And again, so I think other people have said how brilliant she is. Sue Townsend. Oh, we've always got time on this podcast for talking how great Sue Townsend is. Yes, I can wax lyrical about her as well. Mm-hmm. Warmth, density, f- just so funny. Yes. Um, an amazing, wonderful writer. And I think um, reading Adrian Mole mm-hmm. when I was a teenager was kind of formative. It's yes. an experience. So funny. Yes. I used to absolutely creased up with laughter. And I didn't quite understand why. You know, proper comic writing is just pulling and pushing on bits. You Almost like your comedic G-spot. And you're just going to, you don't know what, what what's happened. It's just laughter coming out of you. Yeah. She so just gets it right every time. But look, I just read Adrian Mole again. Um, why did you read Adrian Mole again? You do like a reread, don't oh, you? well, I was writing a piece for The Guardian. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, and I had to remind myself. And actually, I found it really sad. There's bits where it's sort of this weird bleakness that I didn't see as a child. Oh, yeah. Because um, his mum, I just think his mum, Pauline, is such a character. She's an amazing character. But um, there's this moment where he's had his tonsils out or something. He's in the hospital. And she turns up by his bedside and he and um, he notes how old and haggard she, she looks. And that aspect of her motherliness I'd never noticed before. She was just a yes. drunk. So when you kind of come back to it as an adult, you can just see these little glimpses yeah. of bleakness, which are just so beautiful. It's always good to reread books, and it's not something I do enough, certainly, because I've got such a massive pile of books that I need to read for the first time. So I never yeah. get... I'm a big rereader. I like rereading. Yeah, comfort books as well. Yeah. Um, talking of comfort books, this is a big thing for you. Uh, <laughs> 2nd of December 2002. Again, you're still, you're still months out from meeting me. That's when this is really going to kick off. I know so well yeah so you've bought by Dwayne Brown you've bought this twice as well flying without fear I bought it twice yeah I don't know why I would have done that yeah because I know why I bought it it's because I got this really posh new job in telly Mm. and we for our launch party we launched on a yacht in Cannes I know it was ridiculous I mean yeah I mean also we flew first class it was just absurd how old were you I was about 22 Two? Oh, that's disgusting. I know, it is. It's absolutely Were you an asshole at that point? You yeah, must I was. Have been. I must have been. Yeah. Anyway, I got this job and the, the PA rang to say, you know, you're going to be flown to Cannes to have a party on a yacht. On a yacht. Oh, please. And I was obviously quite excited, but equally, I've never been an intrepid traveller at all. Mm. And it turned out that that job was going to be a lot of travel. And, you know, like the, the yacht in Cannes was the tip of the iceberg. We went all sorts of places, all sorts of capital cities in Europe. Mm. Flying first class, which is actually much less scary because you're distracted by the luxury, but I was a nervous flyer, am a nervous flyer, and so I bought that to try and make things better. So obviously I've flown with you a couple of times, for example, our honeymoon, where yes. the uh, the Maldives, uh, you just, it was it was bad, wasn't it? My back was hurting as well, wasn't it? We just basically sat in my physical pain and your psychological pain. Yeah. And then it was too hot, and then we came home. Well, I remember... <laughs> It was lovely. It was a really magical was, time. Um, I remember that flight because I got really drunk, which is sort of my MO for mm. flying. But because the flight was so long, I sobered up and got hangover within the flight. Oh, so you sobered up, got scared and then got hangover. Yeah, yeah. It's worth pointing out, my best friend Ed, uh, when I went to Best Man, his wedding on Guernsey, uh, I went a few days early, which is the best thing ever, by the way. Going to a we- When someone has a wedding abroad... And you get a few days, you get there a few days early and you have to help set up. One of the happiest weekends of my life. I loved Ed's wedding and uh, Frog and Sicily's as well in oh, Spain. Oh, that was great. Friends of yours. Um, so I went to Guernsey early, didn't I? This is back 2008. Beth came in oh, the night before the wedding on a, one of those propeller planes. Propeller plane. Propeller plane. I'm heavy breathing. You were absolutely 
shit-faced. Well, it I think it's the drunkest fault. I've ever seen you. It wasn't my fault because I had... No. So the, <laughs> the way that you do flights, if you're a nervous flyer, is you have a drink, one glass of wine before the flight, yeah. and then you have one glass of wine on the flight. <sighs> and the flight got delayed, and so my one glass of wine started to go on the ebb. So I have to have another glass of wine before <laughs> the flight. And then they offered me a glass of wine on the flight, which I had. So then I'd had three. Yeah, so none of this is your fault, is it? Of course. None of this no, is my no, fault. No, yeah. And then I arrived and everybody said, oh, you poor thing. That must have been really boring and annoying that it was delayed. Here's a glass of wine. Yeah. So I had four glasses of wine. Now, you Oof. know me. That is... All large. That Oh, my God. I mean, that's about... Four large glasses of wine is about your body weight in wine. That yes, is it's, it's a disaster. Well, I wish it was, but it, it is far too much for me. But you're not a big human. You're five foot one. And four glasses of wine as a ratio, is a, that's too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like a litre of wine. Oh, my Christ. And I felt so ill for mm. all of Ed's wedding. And you could see it in the pictures of Ed's wedding on the, oh, on the head table. And you just look like you just want to crawl back into your shell and I die. I did. I did. It was mm. bad. Mm. But anyway, I, I don't, can't remember if flying without fear helped at all. Well, you bought it twice, so why did I buy yeah, it twice? I don't know what's going on there. The first one maybe you threw it out of a window or something. I don't know. It's um, it's one of the. It's yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? It's fair to say that you are um, excellent at being scared. Oh, it's, it's a real no quality one is of yours. better. Mm. No one is better at being scared than me. I'm scared mm. of everything. So why did you think a book was going to solve it? Um. Because I'll try anything. I mean, I've tried all sorts of therapy for my phobias and hypnotherapy and EFT and yeah. reading stuff. I remember my dad once bought me a book called Stop Thinking, Start Living or something like that. Yeah. But I like thinking. Yeah. You can always think your way into a good worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Confer- absolutely confirmed. Um, lots of uh, reviews uh, of this book. This book has been a great help, truly. My fear of flying is now completely gone. If you're afraid of flying, buy this book. There you go. Well, I don't have it anymore. So. Oh, someone said here, R. Milton, finally flying without needing the alcohol or Valium. And he's <laughs> Ooh, a pilot. Valium, that's a good tip. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks a lot, R. Milton. Brilliant. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Okay, we're going to move on now. 2003, big year for you. Anything in particular that happened to you in 2003? I can't remember, did it? Anything in particular happened to you in 2003 or not? 2003? What happened in 2003? Well, I don't know. Beyonce's dangerously in love. Well, that was a big moment. Two months after you met me. Oh, oh. shit, the bed. <laughs> Hang on, what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, guys, we might have our first uh, ma- major problem. Nearly 20 years of being married. Beth has built a book called... The Between Boyfriends book, a collection of cautiously hopeful essays on the art and practice of dating from one of America's funniest writers. For anyone who's been between boyfriends, if there's anyone who can ease you through the dating minefield, it's Sex and the City writer, Cindy Chipak. Now, you bought this. uh, You bought this. Oh, my God. So you bought this on the 17th of July, 2003. After your birthday. After my birthday in Cornwall. When you um, brilliant read after a breakup, thanks. This is this is very awkward. Um, well, I did like Sex in the City a lot. Don't try and 
Don't try and take Maybe this to a Sex a and the City chat. It could have been a present. No, no, it's delivered to your house along with Dangerously in Love by Beyonce. You well, let's were, just focus on Dangerously in Love. You were Dangerously in Love, in love but you were between boyfriends. Love. Because that was the that was the year we got together and then I went off to, we got together, then I went off to Edinburgh, didn't I? So you bought that when I was just about to go off to Edinburgh and then you came to visit me in Edinburgh. Oh my God, yeah. Maybe I had someone else on the go. Okay. Maybe it was Beyonce. Um, Elsewhere in 2003, um, uh, Digging the Dirt with Time Team. That's a little bit less contentious. (laughs) I think that's a dad present. Uh, Well done. It's a point for your dad. Uh, Writing for television and comedy writing secrets. This is March 2003. Can I... So, again, I know what's going on here. Because you were doing your double act with... Lydia, yes. weren't you? Because this, yes. this is a very interesting twist on the format. Now I'm telling you what happened in your life. You, in, in April 2003, you were doing those sketches live when we met at the King's Head in Crouch End. This is March 2003. You're buying these books because you were trying to get the sketches together. Oh, I think I was trying to break into comedy writing and television. Which How did that go? Didn't happen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gerald Kelsey. Fuck those Melvin books. Hunter. They're rubbish. They're shite. Um, okay, fine. Um, you know, but you can still you map it out though, can't you? Writing and that you know it makes me feel a bit sad. Why? Because it didn't happen in the end. Yeah, it's worked out all right though, hasn't it? Writing wise, yeah, yeah, but it could have happened. It, what if it happened back in two thousand and three? Mm, yeah, I guess so. But you know, writing famously, you need a bit of pain and failure before you can write well. Yes. That's why I'm such a great writer. Yes. Uh, all right, so 2004, um, life going pretty well for you now, right? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Life yeah. is it's good. This is interesting. May 2004, you have bought a bunch of outdoor starlights and some indoor jelly globes. I buy so many fairy lights on Amazon. It's just endless, endless fairy lights. Confirmed. Yeah, so if you had to sort of say what's the main thing that you buy on Amazon, yeah. it's fairy lights and batteries for the fairy lights. So Tudor admin shagging and fairy lights. I'm really cool. Um, yes, you do like fairy lights. In fact, I think you've still got those indoor jelly globes. I recognise those. Oh, no, they'd have gone a long time ago, but oh. I buy the similar things that are available to them. Why do, without wishing to resort to gender stereotypes, women buy fairy lights all the time? Because they do. I've never bought a fairy light in my life. I just want lighting to be very, very low level, semi-darkness, so that I can't really see anything properly. That's charming for me. Thank you. I come out of that really well. Mm. I've got a new boyfriend. I don't want to see this, man. It's a bit like, you know, at Glastonbury, where you have to maintain a really low level of drunkenness all the time. Yeah. Because if you sober up, you'll go, oh, my God, look at the toilet. flying. Flying. Yeah. Mm. Well, fairy lights are the lighting equivalent of that. It's everything is kind of fuzzy. See, a lot of the things here are you managing the awfulness. Yes. My mate bought a toaster, managing the awfulness mm. of your new wonderful boyfriend. Now, listen, this is a fantastic book, which we should mention. Uh, Lorelei's Secrets, or Lorelei. Oh, it's Lorelei. Lorelei, L-O-R-E-L-E-I, uh, by Carolyn pa- Parkhurst. This is, two, what, 2004 you bought this? Oh, look, you bought this. Oh, oh. Ju- no, not quite. June 2004. Um, and this is the story of a... Is it the dog who can talk or a man who wants the dog wants to the talk? Wants the dog to talk. It's really sad. It's quite a dark story, but it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful and it doesn't seem to have done that well now. Looking back, we can say... No, look, I it's... mean, 34 ratings for a book like that is really bad. Yeah. It, it was amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's still writing. She's still doing stuff. Good, because that deserved to do a lot better. It's a fantastic book. I cannot recommend it enough. With only 34 ratings, that uh, that needs a bit of love. It's an unsung gem. It was, yeah. Lorello's Secret, really, really good. I mean, it, it helped they had a dog involved. That yeah, obviously. obviously. Got us interested. Um, and then, look at this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the only thing I could remember that I'd bought that would be inter- interesting to you. Fucking hell. So on the 22nd of June 2004... It was very generous of me. You did like me. This is fine. This makes up for the boy Between Boyfriends book yeah. from earlier on. You bought the all-new Apple iPod, 40 gigabytes, and that cost you, my God, £370. It did. For a 40 gigabyte But you see, iPod. because I wasn't a struggling artist starving in a garret, I could afford to buy you an iPod. So. Yeah. 
Basically, yeah. I sacrificed my creative <laughs> writing career to keep you in gadgets. You put your dreams on the back burner mm. so I could make a playlist of Morrissey songs. Yes. I remember very. I remember where I was when I opened this. This was my first ever Apple product. I was sitting in the kitchen in that mm. flat and uh, I couldn't... I remember looking at the square thinking, well, that, that could actually be an iPod thinking there's just no way that it is. And also, I'm the kind of person who would put something else in an iPod box. Is it worth telling the Christmas story of the Nintendo Wii? So this... oh. <laughs> but that was accidental. I didn't mean to do that. Five years. No, maybe more now. Gosh, not it's five years ago. Like Maybe ten. Ten years ago. Uh, uh, I thought you bought me a Nintendo Wii. And it was under the tree for days leading up to it. This is before we had kids. And uh, you already had a kid, i.e. me. I was convinced you got me a Wii. And I was so excited. I was, I was genuinely poking it, picking it up. It had the right sort of weightiness to it, it, the right size, but quite big, but I thought that's okay. Maybe she's bought one of the ones with the steering wheel. Very, very excited. Christmas Day comes. I left it till last, obviously, because I thought it was my main present. And it I was no- your main present. It was my main present. It was my main present, actually. That's true. You'd said to me, don't open that. That one's last because it's your big one. And I was like, it's the fucking way. Oh, my God. I'm going to play Mario into the night. It was a footstool. I'm so sorry. It was a footstool. But this is your... You set the precedent by getting me this I know. IPod. I did a really good thing then. What else have we got here? Michael Palin collection, 14th of December. Dad present. And, and your mum, though. Look, it's to Ian and Louise. Well, no, but it was for Dad. Right, so your dad's, your dad's beating your mum 3-0 at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, 2005 now. Uh, you have bought only 10 items over My God. the year. At this point, you're working, still working in TV, developing TV, we should explain, shouldn't we? Yes, you're I was a- devising and designing mm. formats. Quizzes. Probably was. It was probably more entertainment-based at that, that stage. Quiz Quizzes. time. Quiz time. Um, and there's some lovely things here. I mean, it's it's all terribly middle-class. Look, a Kenwood uh, retro espresso, espresso machine. That was for you. Oh, June 2005. Yeah. Hmm. You know, this is an, a Le Creuset heart casserole dish. You that know, was a wedding present. But you know when this is, don't you? This is very near when we moved in together. Because I think it was July 2005 when we bought the flat. Yes, we moved in in July. So, so I must have bought that. You, you the... Look, there it is. Oh, my God, we've moved in together. A cattle! My mate bought a cattle. Oh, oh that's beautiful. The Breville, uh, since you're asking, listener, JK66. That was a good kettle. Have you ever tried the JK66? The boiling point comes ever so quick. A stainless steel filter kettle with Brita water technology. It was a great kettle. And it it, it did that thing. It was one of the um, first um, sort of waves of kettles to have a glow to it, to have some LED lighting yeah, going on. I remember on. the bubbling as it just came up to mm. temperature and it clicked. It's fair to say, how many cups of tea do we drink a day? It's quite a lot, isn't it? And certainly like in the morning. Yeah. You know who else does that? Big tea drinker. Huge tea drinker. Richard Branson has like 20 or 30 cups of tea a day. So many things we have in common with him. Yeah. Is that private island that we've got as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our desire to sue the NHS. Yeah. Um, all right, fine. So, crushing on through into late 2005, uh, we have got oh, Jimmy Coates Killer. Now, this is by a writer called Joe Craig. Fantastic kids' thriller books. They're so good, aren't they? Really good. And so, we didn't have kids then. So, I was buying it for me because I am very happy to read mm. uh, YA and children's books because I think they're just as good. And yes, most adults should read them. So, so good. If you've not read any Jimmy Coates, get stuck in. That's good. Um, and then, of course, uh, in December 2005, you've bought Arrested Development Series 1 uh, and Dictator's Homes by Peter York. Do you want to explain yeah, yourself? Yeah, I here? can explain that. That was definitely a present for my friend Tristan, I think. Right, OK. It was definitely a present, and I think it was for Tristan because he liked Interiors magazines. And Dictators. And he loves Dictators. Yeah, yeah. Who's his favourite? He's a Mussolini guy, isn't <laughs> have he? To ask Tristan. Him. Right, okay. You yeah, do... it's an odd thing to buy. It, it's fair to say also that you are a good uh, present, but there's going to be a lot of presents on here because you buy presents all the time. I do buy a lot of presents and I really, re- I, I slightly am annoyed by myself for the amount that I agonise over presents yes. because I don't think it's necessary. But I can't stop myself. So yes. I will plan for weeks and go to ridiculous lengths. Yeah. With my present buying. And in fact, at the moment, there's that whole pile of presents next to our bed. Mm. It looks like Christmas, but it it's just because there's some birthdays and events coming up. And I've. M- most of which are my family. Yeah. And when, when is my niece's Millie's birthday? When's <laughs> Millie's birthday? 4th of February. When's my niece Marion's birthday? 30, uh, yesterday. 
<laughs> when is my niece Audrey? I, mean, I don't know the answer to any of these. When is my niece Audrey's birthday? What have we bought for Millie? <laughs> There's always that awkward moment when you have a family Christmas or a family birthday and they say, thank you so much for the scarf. And I'm like, you, yeah, uh, no? I, I knew you'd like that colour. Grey? Davina, my three 30-minute workouts. <laughs> oh, God, I remember that's, that. That's, they work so well. Those abs that you've got now still. So what happened with that is I was going through one of my fat phases, which are regular, and <laughs> I bought the DVD because I decided I was going to start doing workouts. And it was when we were living in the basement flat. Mm. And I put it on once mm. and I started doing it. And within about 30 seconds, I pulled a hamstring really badly and I couldn't walk. And after that, the DVD got put away and I never used it again. So you you, you had it on for seconds, got injured. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. And I, dist- I distinctly remember thinking, well, that was a waste of money. I, I honestly think those those workout DVDs could have an inbuilt bit of software that makes them, uh, you know, self-destruct in a kind of Mission Impossible style after one listening or one viewing. You don't and no it. one would notice. No, because you probably haven't used it again. You, everyone just looks at them once and goes, absolutely, fuck that. Yeah. Turns out to get really thin, it's really hard. It's really hard. Why not spend your life being a little bit fat like I do, right? <laughs> just a little bit fat, but quite happy and also it gives you something to whinge about because if I was really really thin I'd feel great but I would have nothing to whinge about so I'd feel sad no it's true it's true um look this is good uh first of August 2006 Marley and Me Life and Love with the World's Worst Dog by John Grogan oh yeah everyone got this book everyone did but it's fair to say this points us neatly towards your I'd say almost uh sort of psychological disorder (laughs) obsession with dogs yeah yeah I've got a bit of a problem (laughs) I really like them. Why is this, please? Well, because I just really, really like them. Very articulate. You can tell you're a writer. <laughs> it's really good stuff, Oh, this. well, what can you say? They're just lovely, aren't they? They're better than us and mm-hmm. and they deserve everything. And so, like, if I'm out on a run, because instead of doing Davina, I now go running very, very slowly around the park, I just stop whenever I see a dog. And I see dogs all the time that I like, so I just sort of mm. stop continuously. Can we just point out, when you say you run very slowly... Is it worth mentioning the time your colleague <laughs> yeah, saw you running? Yeah, a colleague was walking to work <laughs> and I was running and he passed me as he walked to work. <laughs> he told you at work, I saw you yeah. running this morning. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I overtook you. I mean, it's actually quite a skill to be able to run that slowly, mm. I think. So I think it's very commendable. You don't need to run fast. You just got to, just got to do it regularly. I need, I need to run slowly so that I can see the dogs and stop for the dog. And you'd think that when we got a dog in our life, which we are nearly at now, so at this point, we're in oh, November. We'll see stuff for Polly. December look. 2006. Oh, look, a flat-coated retriever 2007 calendar, a flat-coat calendar. We nearly got a flat-coat, didn't we? Gorgeous dogs. I love flat-coats, really love them. So that makes sense that I would yeah. buy that. They're beautiful dogs. At this point as well, sort of November 2006, we were going to the dogs exhibition, weren't we? Discover Dogs. Discover Dogs. That Do was remember? a great day out. Where you just, they just sort of sit, in, it's a bit gross really, isn't when it? When you think about it, it's a big fucking dog orgy. It's like a brothel. Yeah. For dogs. Yeah. And you just sort of, they sit in cages. Yeah. While you go and fuss them. And you fuss. <laughs> fuss them. them. Yeah, with an emphasis on far. Uh, and every single breed is there. And there's so, and also dog people are amazing, but there are some characters, it's fair to say, yeah. right? In terms of the people, certainly the people who go, i.e. weirdos like us, yeah. but also the kind of people who breed dogs as well. Also the ones who got very upset because we developed a game where we'd ask as many people with shaggy dogs if they were Labradoodles as possible. And this was at a time when Labradoodles were loathed by the Kennel Club and sort of yeah, that type of person. Yeah, because they're not proper pedigree. Yeah, they refused. So anybody would see like Irish Waterhounds and be like, is that a Labradoodle? No, it is not. Some ultimate a woman had a badge with, I'm not a Labradoodle. <laughs> that is so Do you remember harsh. that? No, I don't remember. But it's interesting because that Discover Dogs thing, they don't have mixed breeds and it would actually be more fun to have a, a Discover Dogs where it was, you know, like schnoodles mm. and Labradors cross collies so that oh. you could see what the interesting mixes were. Yeah. 
That's a business idea right there. Yeah, fine. That happens on this podcast all the time. Any ideas you come up with during the podcast, because it's my show, will be owned by me. Um, uh, what have we got here? December 2006. I mean, we are at peak box set kind of time here. So The Sopranos, yeah. we've got The Wire. That's all fine. I think we all know those are good. Uh, buying those again for your mum and dad. Probably your dad. I can't see probably. your mum watching The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, for a cup of Not tea. Not a cup of tea, is it? Uh, Midsummer Murders to the Wire. That would be what your mum's done. Um, then we're into 2007. And if we go to uh, January 2007, uh, we can see you've bought the Weight Watchers <laughs> Easy Read LCD Precision Electronic Scales. That's because I didn't do the Davina workout. <laughs> so you just, just wanted had to, to confirm. Keep an eye on my ballooning weight. <laughs> wow. Wow. I do remember those scales. Yeah, they were depressing. I remember using the scales at your mum and dad's house and being genuinely shocked. Yeah, we don't own scales anymore. No, that's that's one way to solve that problem. Um, <laughs> Flowers for Algernon, you love that book. Yes, it's one of my favourites. And it's a, an example where I wanted a copy of it. I looked round all our shelves and couldn't find it. And so I ordered a new copy of it and then found the original copy Classic. that I had. Classic. Yeah. A quick overview of what the book is about, please, because it is. I really want people to buy this book because it's brilliant. Um, it's about this uh, guy called Charlie who um, has a lower than average IQ. I think his, his IQ is sort of like 80-something. Mm. And he takes part in a science experiment, which is uh, uh, an operation that rapidly raises his IQ to genius level. Yes. And so it works and he becomes a genius. So you see the pros develop from very, very simple to extremely complex. But he gets so clever that he takes over his own research and that's when he discovers there's a flaw yeah. in the research. It's very good, isn't it? It's heartbreaking bleak, book as well. It but is. brilliant. But of course you love that. You love a bit of bleak. Yeah. Of course you do. Uh, this is very weird here. 3rd of October 2007, Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. 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 Why did I say cadaver? Human cadavers. Um, you do have a slightly... Uh, sort of, I don't know, I'd put this... Like, you, you know, you love your Edgar Allan Poe, don't you? You've got a slightly yeah, gothic that, streak. This was actually a work purchase because I was designing a show, a TV show, called something like 101 Things to Do with the Human Body. And mm. it was about stuff that people did with themselves after they were dead. What do you mean did with themselves? Well, no, you you probably choose to do it because nobody would choose for uh, you. But, like, people get themselves made into a firework and people turn themselves into a diamond yeah. or people, like, get themselves uh, one of those tree pods where they grow into a tree. Yeah. And the idea was that actually you can do all sorts of harm when you're alive. But when you're dead, yes. it's quite hard to do anything other than, A, enrich the world yes. or, B, something funny. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Um, so, so you can you're an asset, yes, and, and you have comedy potential. Exactly, and I was quite interested in that, so I wanted to design a format about it. So I bought that very useful book. Mm. Mm, it's quite weird. The curious lives of human cadavers. What a good idea, though. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you want? Uh, to not die. <laughs> Okay, all right, well, I'll look into that. That should be fine. Um, uh, in which case, you need to really crack on with that Davina McCall DVD. <laughs> yes. Uh, 2008 now, 22 orders. We're going to have to hurry up because we're actually we genuinely worrying, running out of time. Because I buy too much. Well, I told you I did. I've got to go and get our child from school in a minute. So um, we do need to speed up here and just try and take in some of the best bits as we look through your Amazon purchase history. 2008 now, um, what have we got here? Classic. Oh, I mean, come on. The Brabantia three-litre bin line and 60 bags. You know how to live. I've really stuck with Brabantia because I still buy those bin liners regularly. Even though they've got the really irritating smug bits oh, of... Oh, yeah, the lifestyle. Yeah, look at guys, funky life within or something. <laughs> Fuck off, Brabantia. Absolutely. I know, I don't know why I stick with them because they're also really expensive. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's just a bag. It's just a plastic bag full of rubbish. Um, all right. Uh, elsewhere in 2008, we've got some CJ Sansom revelation. That was Matthew Shardlake 4. Wow. Yes. Wow. Love, I love those. I recommended that to Jen Brister when she came on the podcast and she texted me about a month afterwards saying her mum had read it and she loved it. And I was like, thanks, Jen, but I recommended it for yes. you. Yes, what's she doing giving it well, to her mum? She should read it herself. I think she thought I had a slightly sort of middle-aged approach to it. Yes, <gasps> oh, a burn, a sick burn yeah, from fine. Jen Brister. <laughs> I've got very thick skin when it comes to Jen Brister. Um, brilliant, though. If you've not read any C.J. Sansoms again, complete escapism, tremendous minutiae, the detail of Tudor... Because yeah, they're always Bad murders, me. and I've discovered that I don't actually need the murders. Mm. I'd have him just doing his soliciting, you know, his conveyancing, mm. and going to dinner at his mates' houses. 
in the cloisters. This is an interesting point, isn't it? Any historical fiction that's that's sort of becomes massively successful has got mu- lots of murder in it. You just want to well, do yeah, crime cells, so obviously. Yeah, it's... but you just want to do like a an accountant. Well, no, I think I'm probably weird in that respect. A publisher, mm. my own publisher, before I have one, mm. um, would say, "No, you do need the crime." But I just mm. feel like the admin is really big for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All about admin. Mm. But you're quite, admin. To be fair, you're quite good at admin yourself. I do like some admin. Apart from when it comes to logging onto your bank account. Yes. Can't fucking do that. It's incredibly annoying. <laughs> Moving on. Um, she gets all the cards out. And you, do you remember those little calculator-like things that you have to put a special code in that no one needs anymore because we've all got Face what? ID? I'm slagging you off. Um, oh, give me a second. Nobody needs them. You don't. The little calculator things to log into your bank account. I promise you this, nobody uses those anymore because everyone logs into their bank account by holding up their face to their phone. But you cannot set that up. But my phone doesn't really recognise my face. You are shard-like when it comes to your approach to logging into your Well, that is the biggest compliment you could pay me. Fucking bollocks. Uh, Quotable atheist, ammunition for non-believers, political junkies, gadflies and those generally hell-bound. That looks good. That's March 2008. (laughs) That would have been for my dad. Aggressively atheist. He's unbelievable. Uh, he gleefully. Sort of, gleefully. He's the sort of guy who runs into a church going, this is all bollocks. <laughs> Put it all down. That's not true, by the way. Um, okay, fine. Let, let's skip on ahead now, right? So that's 2008 and nine. No no major signs of dogs coming at this point, because we do have a dog by this point. No, I haven't bought anything for That isn't really kicking in. What I wanted to do then to uh, was skip on ahead and go to, I thought we'd go to 2012. Yeah, where it all goes wrong. So look how many orders you go up to now. 2012, 125 orders in 2012. That seems little because that's that's one every three days. Three days yeah. at one every three days? It felt like more, didn't it, at that point. Um, so just picking some random ones here. Yeah. Lisa Gardner, the third victim, FBI profiler. Um, Lisa Gardner books are incredibly bleak crime novels, which you were reading with a two- or three-month-old baby. Yes. So they're really, really gruesome. And the the way that she writes is that she'll do a chapter and at the end of the chapter, something completely incomprehensible happens. So you go, what? How could that, what? And then you have to read the next chapter. And for some reason, I got stuck in this groove of reading all her books, which are unbelievably gruesome and usually about a child being abducted and the incredibly um, innovative and brave mother fighting well, to track down it, her child. Maybe that's what it was. You wanted a, a mother who had some agency and power when you were sitting there going, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, yeah. Hello. Seriously. Well, like, that's proper psychotherapy. But, but, I mean, but, it was actually really depressing as well. But look at this. It's really funny because you've got the Disney Winnie the Pooh bath chair, <laughs> the Lantano disposable nursing pads, some breast milk storage bags, the Survivors Club, Lisa Gardner, the perfect husband, FBI profiler, revenge of the tide. <laughs> yeah. It was a tough time, wasn't it? It was a tough time. It was a dark time. We have a wonderful, wonderful child off the back of it. I mean, this is something to talk about as well, isn't it? When we were buying all the kit, when you panic buy your way through those first few weeks and months with a baby. And July 2012, so at this point, our first child was only, oh yeah, hang on, hold that thought. Fibre gel sachets, natural fibre drink, July 2012. So look, can I just say, this is how life has changed. You've gone from spending £370 in June, July on iPods for me, and now you're buying fibre drinks because you can't poo properly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my innards or the sort of entrance to my innards. Right, sure. Spe- <laughs> specifically, okay, yeah. The was doorway bit, yeah. Okay, a bit great. shot, wasn't it? So um, I, don't, I, I don't remember. No. I've, I've absolutely blacked it all out. So the fibre gel was supposed to help with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting how we've managed to talk about your anus <laughs> on this podcast. Um, well, th- not, not anus. I mean, like... Well, that, that's well, the fibre gel is for poo, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that totally true? Yeah. Um, look, the Kakuna baby, uh, this is a um, just a big, giant, weird, pillowy thing to put a baby in because our first child had colic. He couldn't sleep. He, he wouldn't sleep. He didn't want sleep. He was sitting there twitching and, and sort of flinging himself around the place, even when he was weeks old. Um, and he still is now, but it's just, you know, he can sort of look after that himself. Yeah, we read some sort of article that said if you bought this cocoon pod thing... yeah that colicky babies would miraculously quieten and, and just yeah. sort of... And so we spent £125, specifically you, spent £125.98. Yeah, and it looks like a big, thick sanitary pad with a <laughs> with a strap that you strap the baby oh in. Oh, my God, I forgot the yeah, strap Yeah, can you see, can you yeah, see the strap? strap on it. 
Um, and I remember we put him in it oh. and we stepped back as if it was going to be like, bah, he's now asleep, his colic is fixed. I mean, it was just... He he went, there's always the pause and he went... Batshit. We, we literally, again, much like the Davina McCall, this is the Davina McCall of uh, uh, Beds for Babies. In it once, matter of seconds, our eardrums were injured. <laughs> yeah. And uh, off we went. It that went was it. under the bed. Didn't we? Yeah, went under the bed, got dust on it, and then we sold it or gave it away, didn't we? I think I might have given it to a cat's home. <laughs> well, the cat would be out. That makes yeah. sense. It's perfect for a cat. Uh, so 2012, very difficult year, very busy year, uh, a life-changing year as well. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff happening here. Um, just going to jump around a bit, see what we can see. We've got the splash mat on the floor, the no-cry sleep solution. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that. Solution. So, that wor- word is working hard there. 31st of October 2012. The Fisher-Price Rainforest Jumperoo. Can you explain what the Jumperoo is, please? Well, I mean, the reviews say it all. Uh, It's like dads crying on Amazon saying (laughs) this has changed their life and that they want to personally go round to the inventor to shake their hand. Um, And it's a thing, it's like a thing that they jump, you sit them in it like a swing and they jump around in it and then they can press buttons and it makes noises. Uh, noises that you eventually lose the will to live when you hear. Mm. But we bought it, I think we bought it slightly too early and because he was such a small No baby, way, no shit. I can't imagine why we did that. He wasn't big enough. And oh, so no. we kept trying him in it every day. Is he big enough? Is yeah. he big enough? And propping him up on cushions. Oh, God, yeah, we didn't. We put yeah. cushions in there. So, yeah, so it's a circle. There's a little thing in the middle, like a giant sort of nappy that they sit into. Yeah, it's like a bouncy swing. And it's called the circle of neglect. Yes, because eventually you can put them in it and they just sort of bounce around and entertain themselves. But, oh, I don't know, maybe 90 seconds? Well, this is the problem, yeah. And you get to get on with supper or lying on the kitchen floor to have a nap or something like that. Um, So for a while it was amazing. Yeah. It really did the job. This sort of review really pisses me off. Perfect for mummies who need five minutes. What can I say? Some call it the ring of neglect. I call it the ring of five minutes peace while mummy has a wee, drink, food, whatever. Dad's, it's got an apostrophe in the wrong place yeah, as well. Dad used it too, guys. Um, all right, so that's the circle of neglect, the rainforest jumperoo, which, you know, at that point, it did save our life, didn't it? Because we got to put him down for just two minutes. Yeah, I remember it kind of fondly for that reason. Yeah. Though, it, I mean, it only really lasts about two months and then they're on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, all right, now here's what we're going to do. Uh, Beth Morrie. <laughs> Should be Beth Price. Didn't take my surname. Um, we're going to skip on ahead now. Are you happy with that? Because we are running out of time. Yes. So I'm going to charge into 2020. Uh, let's have a quick look. Pandemic. At your pandemic. I think I know how that went. So 2020, 150 orders placed in the year. Let's skip to the bit where... 150 the... doesn't feel too no, bad. not too bad. It's not too bad. That's okay. I, I, people have peaked. Amazon has peaked. I promise you it's peaked. In about... Uh, probably during the pandemic, there are... 2021, everyone I've done is coming off the boil. Oh, I no feel a bit better it. about that because I was worried. Uh, look, there's all sorts of random stuff. So by this point, uh, we are in lockdown. We've got two small kids. Um, you bought, oh, this is interesting, isn't it? The uh, pure uh, sugar cane syrup, 700 millilitres, £9.97 you spent on the 17th of March just for some sugary water. No, it's because somebody, just before lockdown... We went to dinner and mm. somebody made me an Eastern Standard cocktail. Right. And when we went into lockdown, I thought, I'm going to drink through this. Mm. And Basically, so, what would Jilly Cooper do? Yes. Um, so I made myself a nightly Eastern Standard cocktail. Uh, and I think it had gin and um, lime juice and yeah. mint and cucumber and the sugar cane. Yeah. And then about... Six weeks, eight weeks in, I thought this is really, really bad, <laughs> and I've put on loads of weight, and I, um, I shouldn't. I pickled my liver; it was just awful. So I stopped. Well, look to to bring you back from from the edge of us thinking you're an awful person for drinking through lockdown, which you won't, because everyone did that. Look at this: uh, 29th of March, gifted to the Whittington Health NHS Trust. Yeah, that was ah. so you you because of the the key workers working. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm clapping for them. I don't need to give them anything. Well yeah, done. So you could gift them items that would be delivered to the hospital so that they could, you know, have a pick-me-up after they'd yes. been working yes. God knows how long. You should really have sent them the cocktail, to be honest. Oh, well, yes. Um, so, yeah, you could buy... So I bought 
porridge oats and mm. and multivitamins because that was what on the list. I didn't choose that. Oh, I see. I didn't choose that. I well, no, I guess they needed the energy. And also, yeah, vitamin D was, at that point, we thought vitamin D was quite a good uh, defence against COVID, didn't we? I don't know if that has been proven or disproven or not, but I think that was talked about. Um, all right. Uh, elsewhere in 2020, you bought some plants, you and your bloody plants. No, but that's because everybody was doing the same thing. We were all like trying to make our houses a bit more palatable to sit yes. in all day, every day. Because that's all we were doing, making the house look nicer. But also nice of you to put some plants in the garden so the kids have got something to aim at with their footballs. Yes, I've given up on the garden now. Amazon Basics charcoal kettle grill cover. Living the dream, my friends. Because <laughs> we were having barbecues to try barbecues. and ring the changes. A lot of barbecues here. Oh, look, here's a good one as well. Uh, worth talking about Penny Thorpe's The Quality Street Girls. Do you want to uh, explain yeah, this great. one? Oh, yeah, that was great. I met her at a publishing do, and uh, so I found out about her book. So I went straight home and ordered, and it was brilliant fun. And it's like set in the factories where they made Quality Street. Mm. And she is a chocolate historian, so she knows her stuff. And you have met, haven't you? Because of now being an author, new book, Emma Me, out now, isn't it? Well, by the time this airs, yes, it will be. Yes. Um, you've met loads of authors. Surely that's been quite, you know, like to, to transition from being in TV world and knowing all TV people and stuff like that, and now you're kind of in this whole new planet of people and stuff like that. That must be quite satisfying. Yes, yeah, a lot to learn, though. I, I mean, I was in 20 years of television. I knew everyone and I knew what I was doing. And also I just didn't care because I'd had that kind of bitter husk yeah. um, of of just I'm over it. And no I'm one who makes care. TV cares about TV. Whereas now I'm all raw and new and terrified. And oh God, you've been reborn. Yes. And it's terrifying. It's really scary. Also worth saying, this uh, uh, was a gift, Penny Thorpe's The Quality Street Girls and Colin Taylor's The Life of a Silly Sergeant, silly spelt S-C-I-L-L-Y, i.e. the Silly Isles, uh, sent to my mother during lockdown. That's nice of you, when she yes. was locked down by herself and you sent her some books and I can guarantee you she won't have read either of them. No, but it's the thought that counts, isn't it's it? It's the thought that counts. Oh, look, here we are, look, the Lint uh, Salted Caramels. Oh, you love those. I was going really mad in lockdown. I'm quite surprised by your your uh, sweet tooth, actually. Yeah, it, it really came to the fore because I don't generally have a sweet tooth. You've gone again with the sh- sugar cane syrup I mean, again. I, I bought like a I, month I was later it every month. I remember you getting cross with me because there was a dying bee outside, and I went and got some of this and poured it <laughs> on a spoon and charged out. You were like, "That's fucking expensive." Giving that, basically giving that bee caviar. I was buying far too much of it. I have stopped now. You have. Um, very important that our listeners know that. Fine, we're going to go to the past three months. Here we are in 2022 now. Um, let's have a quick look at January. Six orders. That's really good. I'm not a terrible person. I think everyone is making an effort to get off Amazon and start using shops again. Ah, oh, look. I mean, this is, this is, this is neat. I like this, right? Here we go. Look, a couple of things. First of all, we've got the laughing dog. Grain-free chicken casserole. That's for our beloved dog. £15.60 on some meaty mush. Is that the one that rotted in the cupboard? Not that particular one, but it has rotted in the cupboard before. It's a kind of meaty mush that you put with biscuits. And one of them had a pierced, like a, like a, it looks like a ready meal, microwave ready meal. And one of them had a pierced bit of plastic. It went into a cupboard above the fridge, which is slightly warm. Yeah. And it rotted. And the smell... I still can't think about it. But in general, I should say that that food is very good for my darling girl. Oh, there's nothing wrong with Laughing Dog. It was just that one was pissed. Yeah, yeah, it is good food. And our darling girl now is 15 years old. She's very dodgery, isn't she? She is. She's a she's an old thing. Luckily, she's going to live forever because of some deals that I've done. Yep. Um, she said to me she wanted to be a firework. <laughs> That's what she said. I'm going to have her made into a diamond ring. I'm going to stick a rock. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Get up her ass. <laughs> oh, that's so horrible. Now, look, I want to end on this because this is a neat uh, a point at which we find ourselves. You start off with a fear of flying because you've got a TV job that involves you flying around. You don't like doing it. You're out of your comfort zone. And now 
bought on the 30th of November 2021, the sturdy metal floating bookshelf uh, for the wall. And this is specifically, right, for all the proof books that you now get sent. Yeah, so that's a perk of publishing, that you get sent these free books before they come out Mm. so that you can read them. And, you know, if you like them, you can say something nice about them. Yes. Which, for one thing, is a weird thing because nobody in other professions goes out of their way to say nice things, you know. No, but the Beef and Dairy podcast is very good. Exactly. That, that's, that you hurt know, me to say that. Exactly. It's not something that people generally do, mm. um, but this is something that happens in publishing. So I get sent a load of free books and I can just take my pick. But I get I love it. Can I just say I love it? Oh, you do it. very oh, well. Oh, my God. Great. Every time a book post arrives, I'm like, oh. But I was starting to get overwhelmed by them and couldn't keep track of them. And people were asking, you know, did you get this? And I didn't know. Yeah. So I decided to make a proper shelf. A proof shelf. Yes. We've got our, uh, the floating proof shelves. Yes. Um, and how did those get put up? That must have been difficult for you to put up when you put those shelves up on the wall that oh, you Oh, I just up. got a man in. <sighs> got the dream. Got the man. The in-between boyfriends, man. So uh, congratulations on all your proof books. But they, that, that I've always thought that is the, you know, one of the perks of being an author, but a sign that you are now in, this is your career and this is what happens. And it's quite a nice sort of visually, it's a pleasing emblem to end the show on. There well, you are. Also, it, as a metaphor, it works because those floating bookshelves are slightly precarious. And I always because wonder I how much you can load on them before <laughs> they fall the fuck down. Oh, it's a metaphor. <sighs> end on a metaphor. All right. Thank you very much, Beth Murray, uh, for coming on the podcast. I'm really glad I managed to book you yeah you were really lucky actually because i'm in a lot of demand yeah yeah i managed to fit you well you are this week you've done all sorts this week yeah she was on radio derby before this guys and you were doing a facetime call and the audio dropped out and you went charging through the house oh i nearly said some really bad words and but i still on just it. kept a lid on it yeah you did well you did. um right so em and me is out now uh give do you want to give us the one line pitch of the book please it's about a single mum called delphine whose life derailed as a teenager mm. but now she's trying to get herself back on track and build a new life for her daughter em but she has some secrets in her past mm. and will they hold her back okay is there any shagging just jilly cooper wise there is some sex but it's all very tasteful oh right okay <laughs> Tasteful sex. Swear words? Uh, Only a couple of F words. No C-bombs. Okay, fine. Just an F-bomb. All right. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, My Wife. Thank you. Made